you don't have to know all the how and all the details, but if you don't know what you want, it's nearly impossible to take any actions to start to figure out like, what do I need to change? Who do I need to be? I mean, you can't even begin to do any of that stuff if you don't know what you want. And I honestly think, and I went through this, especially when my older kids were younger, I really wasn't asking myself that question. It was, what am I going to allow myself to do? What should I do? I would say that's the biggest change where most things changed in my life is instead of saying, what should I do? I said, what do I want to do? Welcome to Mommy's on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. My mission is to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real-life tactics, and favorite tools to inspire and empower you, mommy, to get the most out of life every single unpredictable day. So grab your headphones, tell your kids you're on the potty, and tune in weekly for some laughs, knowledge bombs, and plenty of real talk with real moms, and maybe a dad or two. Welcome to the Mommy Pod. Welcome back to Mommy's on a Call. Today I'm chatting with Julie Ciardi. Julie is a former Fortune 500 marketing VP turned multi-passionate entrepreneur. She's the host of the Ignite Your Side Hustle podcast, creator of Ignite University, and a mom of three. So welcome to the show, Julie. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you because I do listen to your podcast. I feel like very meta right now, like listening to you on my podcast when I'm used to listening to you on your podcast. <laughs> yes, I have totally had that happen with me too. And it's like, it's so funny because you feel like you, I, that's why I love podcasts. They're so intimate. So I know. You, I feel you like know I know you voice, already. <laughs> that's what it is. When you know someone's voice, I mean, it just, it, it you immediately feel connected to them. I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, I want to start by asking, what is your biggest mom win of the week? Oh, that's a good one. So one thing that I am really working hard on, and when you have teenagers, because I have an almost 18 year old and I have, uh, he's going to be 16 in July. Then I have a little guy, he's seven. When you have teenagers learning how to respond versus react Mm. is, uh, it's like a, something I'm always working on. And my son was like super upset. He was upset with his sister and and he gets in the car and slams the door and he's all angry and I'm driving him to, to football practice. And again, I'm like, I'm just going to, you know, allow the space. I said, are you okay, buddy? No, like didn't want to talk. You're grunted, I think. Right. And I'm like, you know, and in the past, I could definitely be someone that would be like, what's going on? Like, talk, you know, and like pushing and like almost getting upset with him because you're taking it out on me. And but right. Nope. Let him, I let him do what he needed to do. And when I'm saying, have a great practice, bud, you know, and I left when I came back and got him, you know, he hopped in the car and he just said, you know, mommy, he's like six foot three. And he calls me mommy. He's like, mommy, I'm, I'm sorry. I I took it out on you and was angry, like in the car, you know, cause it was really Caroline, you know, whatever, you know, his sister. And I was just, I was proud of myself more so than even him. I gave him the space required 
to come to this, that conclusion himself, to be with himself in what he was going through emotionally. And I think as moms, we have this tendency, like we expect certain behavior and we expect not certain behavior being okay. And, you know, and so I, I was really proud of that moment because it, it allowed him, because we, if we had had it out, that would have carried on right? He would have gone to football practice even more upset and all the things. So I was very proud. That was a win. I think that's also a good like modeling lesson too, because if you think about it, if we got in the car angry and someone else was like, well, what's wrong with you? Tell me, no, you have to tell me. You're like, go away. Like, I don't want to talk to you right now. Especially like if you've had a bad day, you're like, I just want my space. And I think that's great because he saw that you respected that. And so then they're able to open up But having little kids, someone once told me it doesn't get easier. It gets harder because you deal with emotions. Little kids are hard because they need you, but they need you for something else. But when they get to be teenagers, it's a lot. It's so (laughs) massively different. And I wish I could say that's not true, but it's a thousand percent true. And they require you in a way (laughs) we talk about like entrepreneurship, creating personal growth. I think having teenagers like literally requires personal growth for yourself because of how to like, I mean, these were your little babies that needed you. And were like, my daughter was like on my leg until she was like 11, like wouldn't go anywhere, like at a party or whatever. And now I'm lucky if I get to spend a little time with her because she's a social, you know, almost 18 year old butterfly. And is she going off to college too? Going off to college. And that was a whole crazy process in and of itself. And it really does. It requires the personal growth, which is why I wish more people had exposure to personal growth. It's, I wish you didn't have to like, you know, be going into business, you know, or an entrepreneurship or network marketing or something to get exposure to personal growth and development. Because I think that as a mom, it should be a requirement that we have like access to things to help us in personal growth and development, because that's been a huge one for me is with teenagers. I think also, I mean, I've noticed that too, just by going through it, just my parenting has shifted my mindset because I think like your mindset is one of those muscles that you need to train. And I never thought about that. Literally. I started on my like personal growth, whatever journey only a few years ago, about like four years ago. And I realized that muscle now that it's gotten stronger, I'm able to adapt better to learning different things about parenting or shifting the way I react. So the whole thing, when you said like, I was quiet, I totally resonate. Whereas before I would have been like, I need to fix this. Like, no, you're my child. Like it's my responsibility. I need to meddle. I need to fix it. And so that's such a good reminder in terms of, I was going to say having, you know, teenagers and this like shift and stuff, what do you think has made the biggest impact for you besides personal growth, like getting through this, what are some of the tools that you've kind of fallen back Mm. to, to raise teenagers? You know, it, I love that you said the mindset and the muscle and all of that. I mean, it's, it's really, I, I don't, I can honestly tell you, I don't know how I'd be right now as a mom to two two teenagers if I haven't done what I've done. So for example, I got certified as a life coach. That opened my eyes to how I was like mothering, you know? So I, whether you're growing a business or you're growing humans, like how your, your mindset and how you are interacting with them. And when you start to realize 
that you have the ability to manage your own thoughts. You have your ability to manage your own emotions and mindset and overall attitude with how you handle your kids. Because all I heard over and over again, growing up, even from my mom was like, oh my gosh, the teenagers, oh my gosh, the teenagers. And it's like a mirror in front of the face. And it was all this negativity that like I would hear from other moms. And I'm like, I always question things. I'm like, does it have to be like that? Like, I don't get it. And honestly, I think that I really appreciate them for who they are and they're wildly different people. So my daughter and son, they're 22 months apart and they're wildly different people. And I think that you, you've got to tap into this ability to treat them differently while not treating them differently. If you know what I mean, right? Like you're, I I guess I should say you're handling them differently. You're mothering them differently without showing love for them differently and support, but they're wildly different. So I, I think that it requires a lot of awareness and a lot of taking a seat of being silent, like, and observing instead of reacting. So it's this respond react thing that I was talking about. That is why it, it works really good with husbands too, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> I have to say like pretty much the teenagers husband kind of, it's all kind of the same. And maybe you know? a tantruming toddler. So uh, yeah. he's the easiest one at this point, but it does, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I think the more that we understand our personal role in relationships, whether they're a relationship with your children, their relationship with your spouse, relationship with your job, your people, whatever it really, we have responsibility for all of it. It's not just how they're acting and they're being and all of those things. And so I think when you take on that responsibility, like, 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 okay, you know what? I'm responsible for how I react to these situations. I'm responsible for part of this relationship. I think you show up differently, you know? And so it's just been, it's been fascinating to watch my own personal growth with my kids, like, and how I mother them, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. And on that note of saying you grew up hearing like, oh, you know, the negative stuff about the teenage years. And you were saying like, personally react in your own relationships and like take accountability for that you also have the ability to manifest your own future and your own happiness instead of dreaming up this negative negative teenage years. You'll have the negative teenage years if that's what you think they're going to be, which I want to talk about in a little bit. But before Precisely. we get started, <laughs> I want to step back a little and first give the audience a little bit of context about your family structure. I mean, we heard you have two teenagers and a seven-year-old, you said, but give us a little bit about the roles you and your partner or husband play in the relationship. Ooh, this is so good in it really requires me to just go back a tiny bit because I'm actually divorced from my older two kids, dad. Ah. And it's so funny because you, you nailed it on the head when you said, okay, you get to decide how something plays out versus letting a circumstance play you out. Right. And I have to say, when I was getting divorced, the older two were four and two years old. They were very young. And I said to their dad, and it's so funny, like he and I are talking a little later today. He was actually joking. He's like, do I need to like schedule time with your assistant? And like, do I need to pay for your time? Cause like, it was so funny. Cause it was just like, we were back to back to back. And uh, he's uh, talking to him later today about my daughter's graduation party. We, ha- so she's turning 18. She was four when we got divorced. We have texted probably every single day for all those years. We talk and communicate 
every single day. So you have a good like co-parent situation. But we made that happen. It was designed and by choice. And trust me, tons of opportunities where it could have gone south. Okay. This is all part, it goes back to you create, right? What you want. You do not let the thing create a version of you you don't want to be, right? So for me, I said, look, just because this isn't working out, like we're, we're going to be parents to these kids forever. So like the death to you part still sticks when it comes to being parents, like that never goes away. We will be grandparents together. We will be at weddings, grandparents, all the things. And I can remember saying to him, look, I, I want us to be, I want to, I, I want us to be the best co-parents there that there could possibly be. Right. And we did that. We really stuck to that as a core. And so our dynamic, our family dynamic is very interesting because my husband, my now husband, he came on the scene when the kids were six and four or like, yeah, like six, about six and four. So a couple of years later, and I told him right out of the gate, I'm like, just so you know, Jack and Caroline's dad and I literally talk every day. And if you like, you're just going to have to be okay with that because it is, this is so important for us, you know? And so, and I also told him straight up, you're either in or you're out. So you're either going to be like the most amazing stepfather in the world, but you can't be a spectator. So there's no spectators here. Like you're either in or you're out. And and that has been a process, you know, over all these years. So it's, I, I share that because we have the power, especially as women, especially as women to bring everyone along with you on a vision. Right. So I brought along my kid's dad on a vision of the future. I'm like, I want to be grandparents with you and be in the same room and have there be no problems because our kids don't, don't deserve that. Right. Or, you know, I telling my, my now husband, like, look, their dad's going to be here and we all get, let's, it's all going to be good. He loves them. It's all good. You know, but we were, it didn't happen. I would start to hear people say things. Oh, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. I'm like, luck. This was so intentional. You have no, there's no luck here. It's called persistence on a vision right? That's what this has been about. And, and so also getting them, I would say, bought in on the vision too, yes. because you can't just force a vision on someone, no. but getting them on board and right. then keeping that communication. That's it. Because I would paint the vision of, can you imagine being at Caroline's wedding and there's tension and we, these two can't sit here and this person can't sit here. And I, I would, that's what I would do. I would say, do you want that? Or do you want us to get through this so that we're all there together and it's not forced and all the things, but you're absolutely right. You've got to keep that vision, cast the vision, right? It's so key. And so you can, you don't have to let circumstances dictate anything. And I, I I'll Jack and Caroline, they will say things like, man, we are like the best divorced family there ever was. And I'm like, well, yeah, again, we worked on this. Right. And, and, and I'm not undermining the fact that there are really rough situations out there. And I know there is, but we always have choice on how we handle things. It's just, that's, that's the one thing we do have control over no matter what the, the situation is. So we, so I'm, I'm divorced and remarried. And then my husband of 10 years and I have a little guy who is seven and it's fascinating. You know, when I was, I was the, the, the primary breadwinner. I was vice president of marketing at a really big company with a really big job. And my husband, God bless him, was a police officer. He was a detective. And they just, they don't make, have the ability to make the kind of money that I was making. And so, you know, for me, we've always kind of had this, you know, he helps out with so much and whatever, whatever. But I, I've come to terms with the fact that, and it's kind of funny, I'm sure some of your moms will appreciate this kind of getting okay with the fact that I'm going to be the tone setter. Like I used to like 
get annoyed about that. Like, why, why does that have to be me? Like that, like sets the tone of everything, but it's the truth. Like mom, mom's mood's bad. Like everything's bad. Mom's mood's great. Everyone else is better. And you're like, huh. And I almost would resent it. Cause I'm like, why can't I be in the bad mood and everyone else pick me up? doesn't usually happen that way. Right. So I just, I kind of assumed that role that like, you know, what, I'm going to be the tone setter and the mood setter, the tone setter in, in the family. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to own that. I'm going to be okay with that. That's, you know, and, that's and an also awesome... I was going to say the breadwinner and did your husband take a step back or did he continue being a police officer? So he had to take a few, like, so what he had to do, which was, it was also kind of like a list, little bit of like a friction point he couldn't progress on to the next role in his, like he wanted to become sergeant and then maybe lieutenant and all of these things. And you had to go on midnights first to be a sergeant. And I was traveling, I was in a global company traveling all over the place, traveling around the world. Like there would be no one to watch the kids in the middle of the night if I was traveling. And so he had to say no. And that was rough because that's like, you get tapped to be a you know, sergeant, lieutenant, whatever, like to have to say no to that was really unfortunate. I think it also helped him though, when I came to him with the, so I want to leave this corporate job and it's going to mean we're going to have to take a step back temporarily to go forward. Are you okay with that? Again, casting the vision. I'm like, but you could then become a sergeant or a lieutenant. And like, you could kind of put your foot down on the gas of your thing, you know? So it's exactly what we did. I, you know, I, I left that corporate job. It was probably, you know, it was the biggest How decision. old was your kid at the time? Your youngest. Yeah. So he, so it all started, I had him at 39, just turning 40. And I want to say around 41, he, I mean, he was young. He was one year, he was probably a year old where I was like, okay, I got to go. Like, I can't do this anymore. Now there was a couple of years from that point of side hustling it and figuring it out and what it was I going to do and all of the things. But the decision was made in my mind anyway, this was happening. You planted right? the seed. Did, oh, it, yeah, it, it, did it have anything to do with also having your like third child, having a baby? Like, did you want to leave because you just weren't passionate anymore about it? Or well, did it I have always to do wanted to go. Okay. I always wanted to go. I felt a nudge always to do something different. I always wanted to do my own thing. I didn't know exactly what that was going to be. But I remember Caroline's turning 18. I remember being pregnant with her sitting on the couch and I was on the phone because 18 years ago, there wasn't like Google or, you know, any of this online stuff. So 18 years ago, I was like literally on the phone with the head of franchising at this beautiful like flower shop chain. I, I went into the store in Boston. I'm like, oh, I would love to have my own place like this. And I was always thinking stuff like that, like constantly. So what was I doing? I was like on the phone with the VP of franchising going, so what is it going to take? How does this look? All of the things. Now, mind you, I was still married to my older kid's dad. And that probably would have been the thing that ended up <laughs> being the thing because I would have wanted that. And that would have been really, I think, I think he still breaks out in hives thinking about the fact that I am on my own with my own business. Like, oh my God. Right. He's so supportive, but you know what I mean? Like that, cause he's like, oh my God. So it's so risky, you know, but I, I so I had these ideas. I never went through with any of them. I remember I had entrepreneur.com before, you know, kind of all this stuff before there was like online, anything it seemed like. I had, they, they shipped me like a four inch, five inch binder of materials to learn how to become like an entrepreneur. Like this was, it was so, so this was always here, right? There was no online yeah. courses. There were no podcasts, you know, any of those things. And it was there. Like I knew I wanted to do it, but what I kept saying was I will do that when, 
right? Mm. So I will do that when the kids go off when to college. When the kids are in school, when, when the kids are older. The, when yes, they, because yeah. of the riskiness, honestly, it was really, you know, financially, I just, I just didn't see a path and it was confusing at how are we going to do this? So I just kept putting it off. And it's so funny, universe, God, whatever, you know, everyone believes those nudges, those they're, they're there for a reason. And so I kept saying, I'll, I'll wait. And then after 18 years of being in this company, pretty much working from home, if I wasn't traveling, I was, I was living the laptop life back in 2002. Like they literally like had a remote strategy back then. And after about 16 years with the company, they decided to bring everyone back into an office <sighs> eliminate remote capability. And it would have required me to travel two hours, one way, two hours back every day, five days a week. And I was like, not happening. So my little guy was about a year old around that time. And I was like, okay, I got the sign. (laughs) Like, I got it. God, you want me to do something different for all the things. And of course I still wasn't sure what that was going to be. And I started to interview at some more local places that were closer and everything that I interviewed for same kind of level, but it was like a third of what I was making at that, at the at fortune 500. And I turned to my husband, and I said, look, now is the time then I would rather take a massive pay cut and build my own thing. Then take a massive pay cut and go do what I'm doing at the same time. It makes zero sense. Right? So it was really, uh, that was the catalyst, if you will. And I am so thankful for whoever in that company made that decision because I have never been happier. And wouldn't you know everything with COVID and the pandemic and people being working from home, I can't even imagine how they wish they never changed that strategy because they opened up offices in like all of the most expensive cities in the entire country. And like, now everyone's at home and everyone's home, right? Those leases, I can't even imagine. So I just, I, it was so what was supposed to happen to get me to push me out the door and to start my own, my own business. So I wanted to talk about a couple things on that note, which is one, you said you didn't leave immediately. So you made that decision when they said you have to work from home. Was that after you had already started thinking about what your next thing is, or did you then wait a little bit? Because I know there's a lot of moms out there who unfortunately yeah. might've lost their jobs last year oh, or yeah. might've decided like, Whoa, I do not want to go back in the office. Like I realize this is not my thing. I want to take whatever passion or side hustle to the next level. So how did that transition go for you? Oh, it's such a journey. It's a, right. And I think that the key is that just don't stop asking yourself questions because I, I didn't know. I really didn't know. I, I would, I would brainstorm on it. I would write it down. I'd be like, okay. So the nice thing is they gave us this window of time before everyone had to 100% make the decision that they were going to be in an office because some people had to literally move to be able to get closer to an office and all of the things. So it was, it was a big, big ordeal. And I was a vice president at the time. So I was dealing with a lot of helping people make this decision and then moving and all this. It was, it was really kind of insane. And I, I, I decided I, did, I was definitely leaving, but I had this window of time before I really had to start traveling into, into the office. So I used that time to start brainstorming. And then when I tell you, it's like nothing, none of this is overnight for the most part, you know, maybe you get the rare unicorn where it happens overnight, but it really usually doesn't. It is a process and it's one that you need to just be persistent on. So I didn't know what it was. I wasn't sure. 
but I kept asking myself, well, what could I do? What would I like to do? And I would, I would write, I mean, I would just like, I would write down all the things I really good at. I would write down all the things I enjoyed about the corporate job. I would do all of these different things. And here's the, here's the funny thing. My entrepreneurial journey is like a set of zigzags all over the place because I still didn't believe in this whole online space necessarily. I was like, really? I don't know. And I don't want to like, I don't want to do marketing. That's my thing. And I, but I don't really want to do marketing for other businesses. Like that's not what I want to do. I've already been there, done that. And I really didn't know. And all I knew was I absolutely loved fashion and clothing. And I loved making other women feel amazing. And I loved the idea of having my own brand and all of these things. And so I ended up actually opening a brick and mortar boutique was my very first business. Let me tell you, I, I do not advise that being your first business. It was amazing. I had a blast. It was, did you know anything so about retail or yeah. like buying or Zero. anything merchandising? <laughs> Zero to so much so that I had never actually even worked in a store and ch- I've never taken a piece of clothing and checked it out. Like I'd never even had done that. And, but I was like, but I'm hiring people for that. Like I, I really, I have this vision for it that it wasn't, I never had the desire that I was going to work in it as much as I was going to create an experience with it and all the things. And of course, what's the first thing I did? I hired a woman who was a boutique coach. I mean, you don't go this alone, right? I mean, I was like, oh, well, I'm not, I have no idea. I have no idea how to buy. I have no idea how to price. I have no idea any of these things, right? So I worked with a coach to help me with it. And, and it was amazing. I, you know, we, we brought that, I brought that boutique to over a hundred thousand dollars in sales within less than four months. We were really, it was, it was, it was beautiful. People loved it, but (laughs) that wasn't the final destination, you know, and I had people working in there and all that. Cause I'm still, I, I was still at my corporate job while I opened this. So this was your side hustle. It wasn't like, I'm just going to, you know, do a few coaching calls on the side, or I'm going to launch a blog. It was like, I'm going to open a brick and mortar store while having a full-time job and three kids. Yes. And an essential, (laughs) yeah. And an essential worker husband. Yeah. It was crazy. I, I, I look back and I'm like, if I can do that, I pretty much can do anything. But yeah, I opened that while I was still there. And here's the funny thing, right? So it was amazing. It was such an incredible experience. I got to create a brand and an experience from the ground up, employees and all the things. It was like entrepreneurship by fire, right? But, you know, and I knew that's going in, but I was like, well, but my passion will override any of that. I knew the profit margin was not going to be amazing. And it really was not. I mean, with overhead, rent, you know, employees buying the stuff and everything. And I ended up, I ended up selling the boutique. And I got to tell you with everything that just happened with the pandemic, I was like, oh, thank God, thank God that I had switched gears a couple of years ago, but I I sold the online component. And again, it all goes back to manifestation, right? Because think about trying to get out of a three-year lease. You've got all this inventory. You've got a physical space. You obviously you have expenses and cost of goods, all this stuff, right? And I was like, I just kept saying, I kept writing it down every day, right? I followed what I do. I wrote down so every day. Asked, do you journal every day? Do you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wrote down every single day that I sell Haven Boutique effortlessly and easily to an amazing person that wants it. All of this happens with ease and calm. Okay, I wrote that down every single day, even when like people are like, what you're selling it and you get what's happening. And you know what, when I tell you, it could not have gone more that direction. Okay. I actually, I held a webinar 
to sell the boutique. I did. I swear. I'm not even kidding you. I was like, you know, I'm going to use this online marketing stuff and I'm going to have a webinar. I had 25 people come to learn about the boutique, about buying it, all the stuff local, but I did it online to get people to come into, to do it. And I ended up having a woman that bought the online component to it. So like the website and all the stuff, I pretty much sold every piece of clothing that was in there to customers. They cleared the store out. I had another a couple of ladies who are amazing, who are about 35 minutes away, who were like, we really want to open our own boutique and all the things. And I'm like, well, if you want to come and buy any of the fixtures and the tables and the mannequins and all of that stuff, like feel free. They came and they bought everything. When I tell you that they came, they backed up a truck. They they unloaded, took my store. My, all we had was my husband's pickup truck. We put some stuff in the back of that pickup truck, one trip. At the same time, I'm, I go to tell my landlord, I'm like, oh, let's see how this goes, you know? And the I'm telling the landlord, like, Ooh. <laughs> and he goes, oh my God, he goes, this woman like just approached me because she wants to open a state farm, you know, right in this plaza. Like she wants to be in this plaza and there was no other openings. So I was able to get out, get my security deposit back. Like everything was fine. When I say it went simply, easily and effortlessly, it did pretty awesome. But that's because I really believe that we can, we can manifest these things. Now, of course you have to take action. I can't just sit and write that and hope and pray that it happens. I went and I did a webinar. I actually came up with the idea like, Hey, why don't you guys come just check out the stuff that I have and whatever. And they ended up taking everything. Like it just, you gotta, you gotta believe in the possibility. I think you gotta believe in the possibility of it. Then you have to take action. I think that's that's the most important key point is I feel like people learn about manifestation. And so they're like, I want to be a millionaire. And you have to ask, well, how, like, and then how are you going to do that? You might not know the way, but you need to take that step. You can't just sit there and watch Netflix and expect it to fall in your lap. This is where imperfect action comes in. Like I love the book, the secret, the movie, the secret, it was all good, but like they missed that core component which is you do need to take action, right? It's the action and the equal reaction of you taking the action that causes the thing to happen. Like that's how it works, you know? And so, you know, just there's so much evidence in all of my my, my life of how this all came to be. I mean, I, there's there's so many stories that I could tell you even have how I left the, the, the corporate job. We don't have time to get into it all, but like literally also how it was manifested was incredible. Like where you're like, what? It's crazy, but it's because I, it really does work. It really, it really does work. You've got to know what you want, got to know what you want. And you got to lay that out there. So anyway, the next thing that I wanted was, you know, my own coaching business. The one thing I was asked over and over and over again, when I had the boutique and I was leaving corporate, how did you do this? How did you leave corporate? How, how, how? And of course my mind is going to, oh, well, I can teach them the online marketing and the sales and how I started the business and how I built a brand and all these things, but that's just strategy. What actually was the how was in my mind, right? And so I decided that if I was going to be a coach and I was going to help women create things like whether it's businesses, whatever, that I had to be able to help them with their mind as much as I could help them with Instagram, you know? And so I ended up getting certified as a life coach and I continue to work on that growth for me as a coach personally, in addition to helping with the business stuff. So it's like, I like to say, like, I help people like create businesses and things that they want, but really from the inside out, it's this inner work that really is how it all works. 
And so I, I can honestly tell you that it was a, a, a bit of a challenge in making the transition because again, had the little sidestep there with the boutique and I'm not, I was anywhere near the money I was making in my corporate job. And it took a little while, obviously to grow my coaching business as well. But it's so funny because I kept telling my husband, I'm like, well, you know, I, everyone wants to know, well, what are you writing down now? Because it happens, you know? So I'm like, well, I'm writing down every single day that like the, my business is making X amount of month and you get to retire. And he just retired in February and he, that's done. I was going to say a police officer in 2020. I don't. It was rough. And it, it was, was rough. rough. It was rough. <laughs> and he's a really good guy who does so much good. And so, it, you know, it, 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 he took a lot hard. And so it, he was just, he was so sad, you know, and, and, and it was hard. And so, you know, I was like, you're going to retire. It's going to retire. He's like, and at the time when I was saying it, he couldn't even see the evidence of how that was possible. But I kept telling him like, oh, oh, oh. write it down. I'm taking action, taking action, writing it down, all the things. And, and it's, and, and, and he, and he retired and he's now becoming an entrepreneur. He is opening and doing some things with some guys that he's creating. So I just, I absolutely love it. You know, it's like the fact that, you know, we get to make these choices. They're not easy choices. You have to take these leaps and believe when you have no evidence in front of you but they're worth it. So I wanted to step back a little because you were talking about these women really needed the mindset or like you did this because you manifested. There are a lot of people right now who are at stage one, step one, who don't really understand that. No one goes out and buys mindset. You know, no one goes out and is like, yeah, I need to hire a coach because I need to work on my mindset again, because that's never, they don't even know what exists yet. So what are maybe some tangible first steps people can take before that? in order to kind of get them. So if you're like listening to this and you're like, well, that's great. I want all this, blah, blah, blah. Take the leap. Like sounds so great. That's not how my world works right now. Yeah. What do you yeah. suggest to them? There's the biggest one. I mean, this is where it all starts because you can't begin to take action. You can't begin to go through the personal growth journey that's required. Even know that you need mindset work. You don't even know it. So, you know, like you said, you have to know what you want. It all starts there. And I don't mean that you have to know what you want so that you know that every detail, like when I knew that I wanted to leave corporate and do my own thing, I did not know the answers. I didn't even know what it was going to look like yet. Okay. But I knew what I wanted and what I wanted was freedom. I wanted to leverage my creativity. I knew that I wanted to have something that was mine that I created, right? So I was writing these things. I'm like, this is what I want. I, I know what I want. It doesn't, you don't have to know all the how and all the details. But if you don't know what you want, it's nearly impossible to take any actions, to start to figure out like, what do I need to change? Who do I need to be? I mean, you can't even begin to do any of that stuff if you don't know what you want. And I honestly think, and I went through this, especially when my older kids were younger, I really wasn't asking myself that question. It was, what am I going to allow myself to do? What should I do? I would say that's the biggest change where most things changed in my life is instead of saying, what should I do? I said, what do I want to do? What I love that because I, I hate I the want? word should. Oh. That was the first thing. My very, very first coach I had, I didn't even know I was signing up for a coach. I kind of was just like, oh, I like talking to you. She wrote down the word should. And she's like, okay, this is a word you're not allowed to use anymore. <laughs> Excuse me. What? And she's like, you need to sh like take should out of your vocabulary. I was like, 
okay. And I never realized how much I actually said that we live it. Yeah. We don't even say it. We live it. Like should is our, is, is, is our beliefs and our beliefs come from the culture that we're in, how we were raised, all the things. So when it's in my mind, I should work at a safe, safe quote, air quotes, corporate job. I should be responsible for the lifestyle of my family. Like I had like the weight on my should, like, well, I should, I should. Right. So it's like these beliefs. I, I always think that should is another word for these deeper beliefs that you have. So when you find yourself like thinking that like, well, no, but that's just what I should do. You know, that's, that's a belief you got to knock down. You got to take it down because it re- it's actually revealing and your, our life, our results are the exact reflection of what it is that we're thinking and believing, right? So for 18 years, I stayed in a job that I think that I thought I should stay in for all the other reasons, right? So when you start asking yourself the question, like, as I would hear like limiting beliefs and you got to uncover your limiting beliefs and and imposter syndrome and all the terminology, you know, do the work, do the work. And I'm like, what does that mean? What is that? Like, what are you talking about? Right. You never, those things never come up when you're living should, why would they? The second you start asking yourself, what do I want? What do I want? What usually happens is that what you really want, there's a gap between what you really want and what you think you should be doing or should have, or should, should, should. That's the gap. That's where the limiting beliefs are. That's where the mindset stuff starts to happen. But you can't even know that that gap exists if you're just in the should and you don't even know what you want. So the, the thing that sets it all off <laughs> is when you really ask yourself that question, what do I want? And I think I, I like my kids the, want, well, I like the definition of your want too, because I think in our heads, we think, what do I want? Like I want, and they're physical things. Like a lot yes. of times we think the want has to be tangible, physical, like I want to live in a bigger house or I want X versus like the feeling. And I think that's important because not a lot of people dream of the feeling, the freedom, the, how would you feel? And that is the true want and the driver. And so I like that definition. It just puts so much perspective on things. Well, you know what I would say as you brain dump it out of what you want, have it be both, right? So when I think about what I want, there's some elements to it that are absolutely physical and financial and that kind of thing. And then all that emotional, like what, how do I want to feel? What do I want my day to be like? When I wake up on a Monday morning and my eyes open up, do I want to get out of bed and do the thing that I'm going to be doing that day? And like, I think Steve Jobs is quoted as saying that, you know, he, every morning he would look in the mirror and he would ask himself, do I want to go and do the thing that I'm about to do today? And this way he said that if his answer was no for more than a few days, he would change something. And I can remember going through decades, decades of waking up every Monday morning. Actually, we usually start on Sunday night and the Sunday night blues would start and I wouldn't want to go into the next week. And I'm like, oh, and I'd wake up in the, on Monday and I wish I had seen that quote way earlier because I was like, whoa, I went through decades decades of that. I'll tell you right now, I don't Sunday nights, Monday mornings, like I am ecstatic to get into the week. Right. But that's because I made those decisions. So I think when you really sit down and you ask what you want, you got to really be honest with yourself and it cannot be 
What do you think your husband wants? What do you think your kids want? What do you think your parents would want you to do? You know, what your best friend, right? Like it can't, you have to tap into want. That's where it all starts. That's so true. And then on that note, I think for moms, we don't ask ourselves what we want often because we're always busy doing things for other people. And so on that note, on like, say the self-care side, doing something for you and making time for you. Is there anything you do daily just for yourself? Yeah. I get up an hour earlier than everybody. What time is that? And so it's funny. I used to try to force myself to be five o'clock in the morning, but now I do six. It's usually around five 50 that I get up. I was trying to force it. And I'm like, a should came up for me. Oh no. But like the biggest entrepreneurs, they all get up at 5am, the 5am club. I should get up. Uh, should. Why am I saying that? I don't want to. So what do I want to do? I want to, I like to stay up a little later into the evening and get things done on that end of the day. So I'm good with 550. Like, I, feel like I, I resonate so much with that. I keep telling right? myself, I was like, I should get up at five, but I'd rather work till midnight or right. like, so that's like, me. The should it's a, it, the shoulds come up even in entrepreneurship. Right. So what I do is I get up, I get up around five fifty and grab my coffee. I drink water first and coffee. And it's my time to do that little bit of work where I, I do some journaling. It's nothing crazy. Okay. It's nothing crazy. But what I do is I have kind of like my my top 10 dreams that I love. And I have that printed out and like a vision, like it's actually like a vision. It's, it's pretty long. It's like on like a PowerPoint kind of thing. And I read it and it's, it's like my life, you know, maybe 10, 15 years from now and what that looks like and all the things. And I, I allow myself to really think about that. And I do some journaling and then I do some planning. I kind of say, okay, like I kind of know what my day looks like. What are the top three things that I really need to make sure that I'm accomplishing today? And I just, just starting the day off that way with coffee, the dogs, me doing that. Like I would, when everyone else is getting up and the, the chaos starts to, you know, unfold with school and three kids, I'm calmer. So that is something that I really, I really, really need to do for myself and for where I want my life to go, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for all of that. That was so, oh, I I have so much to unpack there, but I wanted to wrap up by asking, what do you think is the superpower you gained once you became a mom that makes you better at business life, whatever that might be? Oh gosh. You know, it's like, there's so many things, but the thing that came up right when you said that was I used to be a worrier. I, I really did. I, I would, I would like think of worst case scenarios with stuff and all the things you cannot live in that space when you have kids, because if you're th- always thinking worst case scenario, there's a lot of bad things that can happen. And I think that it really helped me to change that behavior in me. And it's helped me become actually more of a risk taker now, believe it or not, because of that, right. I'm not worried about the worst case scenario. I want to, I want to live. And I, I want to be that example for them that it's okay to take chances and to take risks and not to be so like trying to hold them so tight, you know, back. And so that, that's been, that was a big change for me, like who I was before I was a mom to then becoming a mom. I think that's also why moms are the best entrepreneurs. I still do that. Well, thank you so much for everything today. Where can we find you online? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I love hanging out on, on Instagram. I, I have people that help me on Instagram because the way that where the company's at, but I answer my DMs. So if you, you know, if any of this resonated, definitely follow me on Instagram, DM me. I'd love to hear your, your takeaways or anything you want to ask further that maybe we didn't unpack totally. Cause we can go on and on. I think we could <laughs> probably talk all day. You and I that, you know, to do that there for sure. And, and then I have a free Facebook group where I go live every single week talking about this stuff. And it's called the ignite actually, but by the time this airs, we're, we're changing the name. So it's the ignite squad. It's just the ignite squad and it's free. You can join it and, you know, get some more goodness of how to create a life that you love. And then also tune into your podcast because you'll get some great insights there too. Yes. And it's so funny because the name's changing on that too. So all oh, you got to really? do, yes, yep. And, but it's still- Did you just I, change it or no? I, I Well, a little while ago I yeah. changed it, but this is why I love entrepreneurship. The more you know your person, who you want to serve, how you want to serve her, you you should be evolving. Like it's just part of the thing. Should. So it's- um, should. <laughs> I just showed it on you. Yes, you totally did. That's so funny. I love that you called that out. It's, but I want to serve my person. And I realized that I started to realize that the word hustle was not fitting some of my, what I want. And I was kind of, I'm going a little broader. So actually I'll say it now because by the time this comes out, it'll be done. It's, it's ignite her mind. Ooh. Yeah. Because I, it's the mind. This is where it all begins. And I want to really start getting people to awaken and to see and get ignited on this goal, these dreams, this want, you know, all of the things. And so really excited to definitely check out the podcast. It's just changed to ignite her mind. Oh, I love that. I guess that totally resonates too, because like hustle, I mean, yes, you do have to hustle in life. You have to, but that's kind of like a given, but yeah, it has a little bit more of that, like masculine kind of like hit the ground running kind of thing. So I love that ignite your mind. It's very opening and freeing. So, well, great. Thank you so much for joining today. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for all that you're doing for moms. It's so, so powerful. And thanks for all that you're doing for women too. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy's on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time. Thank you.